Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. This is him. Who's that? Jesus, the one about the one who went about doing good. Last week we began a series of sermons on the body. And that refers collectively to us. Right away we think about all of us together, but we began by emphasizing the value of each one. That each one of you were sought after by God to be brought to him through Jesus Christ and recreated in the image of Christ as a, as a piece of art. Paul said to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10, your workmanship, your masterful, masterfully being crafted. So that day that you believed and became a Christian and you were buried with Christ in baptism and you came forth from the water as if you were coming forth from a grave, you came forth as a new creature. That's what God said. And he said it wasn't because of the water washing your body. Peter says because of your conscience has been cleared from sin. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, you can be raised to life. And now you're set free to walk in good works. And he is continually creating us in Christ Jesus. Like a potter with clay. Continuing to do that with you individually. I want you to... To cement that in your mind first. You never get lost in the crowd. You never become a statistic in God's big universal church. He always is seeking to create in you a new heart and allow his spirit to work on you because he takes glory in that. You are his special creation, each one of you. Now that's very important because we're going to start talking about coming together. And you don't just come together, you bring something together. You bring something that is being created in you, about you, that God wants you to use in his service, and you bring it together purposefully in a mission that he's given to us. And that mission is to make disciples. And we do that by building each other up. That this body is supposed to be healthy and alive and vibrant. It's supposed to be in motion and doing good works. And then from that, we shine light through us to those who are not a part of the body to see that so that they can observe our good works and then glorify our Father in heaven. These good works are the power that carry that influence of Jesus in his earthly ministry on through the lives of the apostles and the work that they were doing and passed their lives into the next generations all the way up to our generation. It's not that we need to do the miracles like Jesus or to lay our hands on each other as apostles and pass on miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It is the good works that he is wanting to pick up and be the power that convicts and conveys the message of the gospel to those who are in sin. The power, the wisdom of God is seen when people look at this collective body of people, all different ages, shapes, sizes, and colors. And we're working together on a mission for something higher than ourselves, and there's an impact that that makes. People say, wow. And they may just know you. 
in the workplace. They may, they may just go to school with you and have that, that factor working on them. Like, this person is different, but it's especially powerful when they can see you working together as a church. Now, sometimes we can see that when we come together and worship. I mean, we're glad to be here. There's a lot of love. It's pretty lively today. There's children everywhere. There's smiles on people's faces, even though we're struggling through some things together. This is a, this is a happy place. And it can be seen, the love can be felt here. But especially when we go from this place and are in motion doing the good works that people may not expect you to do. In fact, some people think Christians are hypocrites. Yeah, they go to church and then they're different people on Monday. But that's where the power of good works comes in. And so, still yet, before we start talking about bringing together our individual efforts to collectively work together in ministries to do things, we've got to talk a little bit about how are we doing it. What is it that I, as an individual who glorifies God and he takes glory in me and is working in me, what do I bring to the body to do? How do I impact people outside of this place? And the answer is clearly given. In fact, look at the passages, and these aren't all of them, but look at the passages that talk about this. Now, this is a part of the one that Richard just read. God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears God and works righteousness, or his version read, to does what is right, is accepted by him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Romans 2, verses 9 through 11, Paul said, Tribulation and anguish will come upon every soul of man who does evil, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, for there is no partiality with God. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, Let them do good, these whom you're working with, these Christians, let them do good, the ones that are wealthy, especially, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. To Titus he wrote, as he was working with the church, likewise exhort the young men to be sober-minded. He's telling the older men to exhort the young men to be sober-minded and that the older men in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Older men, show the younger men how to set a pattern of good works. And he'll say the same to the women to teach the young women. So that even that one is, who is an opponent might end up being ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you, just being wrong about you, wrong about their impressions of Christianity. Peter said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, they're observable, glorify God in the day of visitation. There are many such passages like this, and I'm sure you can probably think of some others, but one of the ones we've honed in on specifically is in Ephesians 2.10, and we've talked about the workmanship. That's where we've, we've emphasized the value of each one. But let's talk about the rest of this passage in Ephesians 2.10 where he says that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which he created beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in these. So God has intentions of this earth not just being full of evil, but being full of good. That's what he wants from every person. Now, who's going to set the example for that if it's not those who have come to him to be recreated to walk in good works? So today we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between, this is, this is the gist of this that I need you to take away today, between just doing a bunch of stuff, being busy, interacting with people all day long, being good, not harming anyone, just, just being a good person, and, and walking about your business in an honorable fashion, the difference between that and walking in good works for the purpose for which God created them. See, we can do that and not do it with intentionality, purpose, or mission. People can think that we're very nice people, that we're very friendly, and that this church is a nice group of people. People testify of that all the time, but what they need to know is that when they see our good works, that they may glorify the Father in heaven. There's a difference. There's something about our good works that we need to know as we go about doing them. There's an aim to our work, not just to be considered a nice guy down the street. And my neighbors all know that I'm an upstanding fellow. It's not what God wants the end of your work to be, not for your glory, but for his. And there's some things we should look at about this. We are workmanship. The good in this passage that he says is about the works is good that is inherently good, that it comes from God. He is the definition of it. And it's good whether it's perceived as good or not. You know, some people will look at some of the things that we call good and call it evil. And some people will look at some of the things that we call evil and say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. In fact, it's, we're going to hold that up as a high moral value. So whether it's perceived as good or not, culture does not have a, a, a say on what God's calling good. So we have to listen to his definition of what is good. When we talk about doing good works, not just things that I think are good, things that God is teaching me are good. That's important to know. Secondly, the works, by definition of this word, are works that carry out an inner desire, a purpose to completion. All right, so there's an aim, there's a goal to the work in this passage. And finally, when you put them together, you realize... Uh, I don't think I have walking up there, do I? Yeah, I do. That's the one. Uh, we should walk in them, excuse me, and this word means to walk about doing these works in full circle, uh, to, to, to have a pattern about our walking. And so when you put these things together, the idea is uh, that we should walk about doing inherently good things, things that God calls good, good works to fulfill the purpose of God in us. So it's very directed. It's very intentional. 
what we do is to be very intentional and very directed so that it accomplishes his purpose and not just creates lots of friendships for us or helps us to be viewed more positively in our culture. Not, not all of these things, but what God is calling good. We need to portray that. So it's very specific, isn't it? Well, we can see how this is done when we look at the life of Jesus. A great passage here in the same book of Acts that our scripture reading was from. And in chapter 8, though, in verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now take a look at just a few things you can pull from this passage and from all the other passages you study his life and his ministry. Jesus had an eternal view of life. Again, he wasn't just walking around trying to be a good guy, hoping that people would like him. Just doing nice things for people, hoping their day is a little brighter and moving on and not having any eternal impact, his was very intentional. He wanted people to know his father, didn't he? Which is the second thing that we want to point out about this. He had an eternal view and he exalted his father. Think about times when he said things like, good, when someone said to him, good teacher. And he said, why do you call me good? There is one who is good, that is God. And we kind of argue with that. We say, well, yeah, but you're God. You're the son of God. Why did Jesus say that? He's good. Jesus, that's the epitome of the example to me where Jesus is taking glory that someone's giving him that he well deserved as being God in the flesh and a good teacher. And he said, why do you call me good? This is coming from my father above. What you're seeing in me, read the gospel of John, continually pointing upward that which you're hearing from me is from my Father in heaven. I do nothing except it be of my Father. All the things that I'm doing are to glorify my Father. And I want you to know who he is. That's what Jesus was doing. He was pointing people who were giving him praise and glory upward. He wasn't denying his deity. He was trying to accomplish something. So that when he departed, people would glorify God for his coming and worship and serve the maker. He expected nothing in return except that men would come to know God. But Jesus gave himself. He didn't even have a place to stay and live. He, he completely poured himself out for us. He expected nothing in return. Well, I'll do this for you. I'll heal you if you give me some food tonight. I'm a little hungry. You never hear him saying that, do you? Nor as apostles who said, we, we've been among you and worked among you day and night. And we ask for nothing from you. But they would receive blessings from those people. They just wanted them to know we're not doing this for us or for something in return. We want you to know that everything we're doing is from a pure motive and it comes from God. They were, they were taught well to point people upward. Good works aren't points. They're gifts that we give to people. Jesus, finally in this passage, in a very literal way, expelled demons from people's lives. But you know, in a figurative way, as he has passed on this mission to us and said, I want you to be disciples of mine and I want you to walk about doing good like I did. We think, well, I can't cast out a demon. Or can I? 
Or can I, with those who are plagued with sin, who are, are in the, the grasp of Satan to do his will, who are walking in sin, can I not combat that by the Spirit of God working through me to do inherently good works which can be observed from a pure motive, because I want no glory for myself, but only for my God, cause someone to be convicted in their heart by the power that they see in me or you and change their minds and their lives and glorify God. Can that not happen today by the power of the Holy Spirit in us? Say yes. Yes, it can. And if I asked for a show of hands today, I imagine nearly everybody would raise their hand and say, there was somebody actually who God was working through that changed my life. I bet you just about everybody can say that. I observed in someone, I have a number of people <laughs> that, that before I was a Christian, through their good works, convicted and converted my heart and mind to Christ, and then I obeyed the gospel. And since then, many more. So that power to expel Satan from people's lives is still very much at work in us. And the, the vehicle is through these good works that we're doing with the aim to drive Satan away from people's lives that they may glorify God and, and be found blessed by him. The difference. Let's talk a little bit more about the difference still. I, I, I dabbled in it a little bit for you to try to understand where we were going, but let's, I want to use a quote that I read recently from a blog site. An oriented man, all right, Keith was talking about school beginning. There's orientations going on in, in schools at all levels to some degree. And orientations give you clarity and direction. They, they, all the stuff you're cloudy and confused about and you don't know where to go, what's going to happen. Orientation gets you to where you, when you walk in, I know what I'm doing, right? You get a syllabus, the whole thing. At least I know what I'm doing, where I'm going. An oriented man seeks to partner with his father's redemptive purposes. He looks for the good God is doing in and through his life. And he views his circumstances and relationships with an awakened and engaged heart. So understanding that God is working through him as a, work, a piece of work. I've been called a piece of work before, haven't you? I'll take that as a compliment from now on. Thank you. All right, we are... A piece of artwork, God is working on me and he wants to work through me to accomplish some things in other people's lives as well. And I like how he said this. Now the oriented man is awakened to that and he's engaged with it. So when I'm relating to other people or I'm building friendships or I'm raising my children, now I start thinking differently. I start thinking more missionally. I have a, I have a purpose in my life and, and there's a purpose to the good things that I'm doing and it's not for me and it's not about me it's to impact and change and form and reform people's hearts so that they'll glorify God I love that quote the more I read that the more I was like that's really rich now let's turn that around for emphasis and just kind of read it in the negative this will wake us up that means a disoriented man 
who may be going about very busily interacting with people, being a good person. A disoriented man, though, does not partner with his father's redemptive purposes. Any good he experiences, friends he makes, any glory he receives, any good that he does brings glory to him, but it may not make any intentional, eternal impact on somebody else's life. So, so the glory stops with that person. All right? I had a family reunion yesterday. I went up north uh, to Medina County, got to see all of our family. My brothers all were able to make it, and uh, some cousins. We had a couple special family members come in that we haven't seen for a long time. One of them was my first cousin, Julie, and her husband, Rick First. And Rick is a Marine Naval Base Commander, and he is stationed in Japan, and he is responsible for defending a a naval marine base that we have in Japan. And when we were leaving, uh, I had great conversation with him and learned more about what he was doing. It's a tremendous responsibility. Uh, but when, when he was leaving, I said, oh, and thanks for your service to our country. And he said, it's a great country. That's a good answer. Because you know what I did in my mind? I went right away from glorifying him, which he deserves uh, to be honored for that. But he, he took that and immediately took my glory and put it on the nature of the greatness of our nation, what it stands for, its founding principles. And I started thinking about all that stuff. And then it's a great nation. Uh, later, you know, when I came back and I was reviewing this lesson for today, I said, boy, Rick did that. He immediately displaced glory upon something greater than himself and the purpose he was serving. And that's what Jesus went about doing. And he was worthy to be honored. He's worthy to be glorified, but he just had such a habit of saying, make sure you get this glory in the right direction and develop relationship with your Father in heaven. That's what he wants us to do. That's the difference between just being busy and being a good person and walking about or having some earthly focus and mission in your life and doing it partnering with your father's redemptive purposes. So let me ask you this question. Do you walk with an eternal view of life? That this is not it, my life here and then it's over and then what? That you walk in such a way as in our Bible class we were talking about out here this morning terrific discussion about heaven and what it's like and we don't know everything and we're talking about things we don't know and some things we do know but that that eternal view I think is going to drive most of us in the way we walk that there's something good coming that God has promised us do you walk with an eternal view doing works which exalt Christ by making a spiritual godly impact in people's lives expecting nothing in return but praying for people that they may observe your works, observe the body of Christ, and glorify him in the last day. That's how, that should drive our prayer life too, don't you think? That we should pray that people will see in us God today. That we would let our light so shine. What do you mean? Well, so shine, like in a particular way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven.
Not just let it shine. Let it so shine that they may glorify your Father in heaven. There's a difference. The good news is this. This isn't going to require a complete overhaul of your lifestyle, probably. It might. But let's say you're saying, I'm so busy. I don't know if I can do this. Well, it's, this is not about doing more. This is not about completely changing everything you do and taking on a completely different lifestyle. This is about infusing a missional mind into all the things that you're doing, into all your interactions, and thinking about with intention, can I impact people through the things I'm intending to do today so that they'll glorify God? It might be just as something as simple as someone saying, well, that was awful nice of you. You didn't have to do that. And you immediately displace that glory and say, oh, God has been good to me. I've heard some of the great responses that, that you all have made to people in public settings, to non-Christians. Oh, God has blessed me so richly. I'm just sharing what I have. See how simple it is to just displace it from me to him? That is so letting your light shine and conducting yourself in such a way that when people see your good works, they glorify God. Well, how do they do that unless there's some connection that you make between your works and between your God that's not arrogant? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, you should think about that. You think to yourself, how, how, how can I direct people to know? Sometimes I'll say something like, I've had a good teacher, and I make them ask who it is. Just think about some ways that you can respond. Peter said, be ready to give an answer. These are some of the simple ways we can do that. It might look like the way Paul, when he went to work at the tent shop, met Aquila and Priscilla and taught them the gospel when they were working. Or the way Lydia, when she was away on a business trip with her household, took time to pray and took them down to the river and did not know that God had sought her out as open-hearted and sent the apostle to meet her on the riverbanks, teach her the gospel. She didn't know, but she intentionally took time to worship and praise God and do a good work for her family. Wow, what a result she had from that. I'm looking at Richard and Teresa Lee sitting here. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about David Lee, who just went off into, into the, to the school to study the scriptures so that he might impact people's lives with the gospel. And David was going through that grind at TS Tech every day. And he's like, ah, oh, factory. Ah, oh, I got to go there. And he started taking a different perspective. He, once he learned the grace of God and the gospel and it had an effect on his heart, he started to go to work with a different perspective. Now, it was still a grind while he was doing the work on the line. But he started using his time, whether he was working next to someone or at break or on lunch, to start building relationships with people so that he might let his light so shine that they would glorify God. And soon, he's having Bible studies with people. There are people coming with him to church. And Michael Orth was baptized here just a few weeks back as a result of David infusing this mindset into his busyness and his work. And he did good work. You see the difference? I probably don't need to belabor that anymore, but just think about your own life now. The things that you're doing, the people that you're interacting with, how can I take work, busyness, people, and do good works that glorify God and point people upward? That's what we want to be about today. So we've been spotlighting some ministries.
each week. This week, I want to spotlight one called the Crew for Christ. Most of you have heard of it, know about it, maybe even been helped. If you've been helped by Crew for Christ, would you raise your hand? Yeah, many hands have gone up. If, you're, if you've been a part of Crew for Christ, would you raise your hand? All right. And so you've seen firsthand or heard how this group of people who said, we'll take time out of our busy schedules to not just go do some work, but to do some meaningful work that has an impact on somebody's life. And I love how uh, some of those who lead the ministry, uh, Todd Thomas and Doug Hall and Gordon and Josh and Tim Schaefer and many others will have conversations with the people we're working with or the people we're serving. And afterwards, we come around and we pray over those people. If we've moved someone to a new house, we'll pray over that place and just pray, God, may many good memories take place here. May this house be blessed with, with your grace and richness. May these children grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's taking work and making a good work. So we want to highlight that today as a, a great example of a service that we do that is a good work. And they're going to be out in the fellowship hall afterwards. And if you want to say, I'd like to, to put my hands and feet into that work, uh, you can go see them and sign up for that. And you'll just be contacted when there's work to do. And if you can come and help, you come and help. And if you can't, that always happens, that sometimes you can't. But that's a great example of something we're doing as a church that has a meaningful, lasting impact and has had on so many different people. Well, I want to turn it over to you then uh, to reflect and think about. We've had great reflections this morning in the song selections and in the communion table, and here's another one. The work that I'm doing, am I doing it missionally minded? Am I doing it intentionally with an aim? Am I partnering with my Father in heaven? If you're not a Christian, what a tremendous walk this is. What, you're missing something great if you're not a Christian. A personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ who gives you purpose, meaning, and mission and sends you out to do good work. And if you are a Christian and you need strength and you need direction, we'll pray with you about it. We will help you get directed. We have a tool out in the foyer even called a GPS for ministry to help you learn about yourself and get you directed. We'll do that. But Kevin, would you come lead us in a song? And if anyone needs to respond, come forward. <laughs> 